0: Welcome to The Scripps Insider, a podcast produced by The Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps Insider connects students, faculty, staff, alumni, and friends of the college by covering events and activities that make The Scripps College a premier destination for communication education. Here are your hosts, Abby Marshall, a journalism major in the E.W. Scripps School of Journalism, and Scott Titsworth. Dean of the Scripps College of Communication. Scripps Insider is recorded live in Podcast Studio One from Schoonover Center, home of the Scripps College. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Abby.
1: The Ohio Communication Hall of Fame was established by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University in 1993. The Hall of Fame honors professionals who exhibit lifetime professional achievement. Each honoree must have a tie to Ohio, either the state or the university. Dan Dry, our guest on today's podcast, is the 36th inductee into the Communication Hall of Fame at Ohio University. Dan Dry attended OU in the early 1970s. While at OU, Dan was named the top college photographer in the nation upon receiving the first place award in the William Randolph Hearst photojournalism competition.
2: Dan has had a distinguished career as a photographer, creative director, and advertising professional. He currently lives in Louisville, Kentucky, where he serves as a managing director of the creative content studio for Price Weber. Previously, Dan served on the creative team in the Department of Alumni Relations and Development at the University of Chicago. Dan has been director of the Kentucky Derby photo team for more than 30 years. Dan was also a member of the Courier Journal's Pulitzer Prize-winning photography staff from 1976 to 1982. Dan is the sole author of more than 23 coffee table books and cookbooks. For more than 20 years, he served as the principal of Dan Dryan Associates, where he worked in all phases of corporate and advertising photography, shooting for Fortune 500 companies and advertising agencies. We were able to catch up with Dan when he was on campus this fall and interview him today about his career and advice he has for students in the field.
1: You have went through all these different stages in your career and you've achieved a high degree of excellence. Some might read that and say, this is just a guy that really pushes himself in anything that he's doing. I got the sense from you that there's something maybe also that's behind that about being curious, uh, about you know trying to branch into new areas. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yes, certainly. I I think it is um, a little bit of both. Uh, I was the first person in my part of the country to go 100% digital, um, and I always have been curious. I also think um, if you don't roll with the tides of change, not an original statement, you're going to drown. So um, I am... Um, my family will tell you uh, anyone who knows me will tell you am and always have been pretty much a workaholic um i mentioned last night uh, in my speech um i'm certainly have never said or thought that i'm the most talented guy in the room and i'm certainly not the smartest guy in the room but I make up for that in hard work and always have. Um, I I think there's nothing, uh, anytime I lecture to young people or students, um, I, I always ask the question, did you ever play a sport? And usually the answer is yes. And then the next question I ask is, how did you get better at playing that sport? It's an obvious answer. It's practice. There's no question about that. And so my work ethic or my practice ethic, I sort of liken to that of um, all-time basketball great Michael Jordan, who was extremely talented but was, uh, as rumor had it, always the first guy in the gym and the last guy out. And regardless of how strenuous the practice was, he would stay afterwards and religiously, every day of practice, shoot a hundred free throws. And um, so I've always been like the 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 first guy in the dark room and the last guy out, or the first guy in the, the office and one of the last guys out, just because um, maybe A, the curiosity, but B, I love what I do. I mean, I truly... I'm so blessed that I want to get up every morning and do what I do. And my life and my career has gone in chapters, hardcore photojournalism, newspapers, national geographic, my own business, um, higher ed university, of Chicago now advertising two different agencies.
2: So it's funny that you uh, mentioned freelancing for The Messenger, because I actually uh, freelance for The Messenger now. Um, So I'm a journalism news and information major, but obviously there's another track uh, kind of for the PR side, strategic communications. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, those two career paths sort of inform each other um, and how you've made that transition?
3: Certainly. Um, So I I don't think it's a big secret that newspaper journalism as we know it um, is certainly not what it was five years ago, 10 years mm-hmm. ago, or longer than that ago when I first started working at, with the Binghams. Um, there are so many more options. And I think that if you do have a good journalistic base as far as writing, as far as visuals, even as far as news judgment, When I look at a lot of the successful people that I know who are with major corporations, with hospitals, with even smaller companies, um, in the music business, whatever it is, most of the super successful ones have a basic knowledge of journalism and some type of a journalistic background, even if it is something as simple as They were on the high school paper. They were on the college paper. They worked at the college radio station. They worked at a television station. Um, So I do think that the basic journalistic experience and know-how pays off every time. Mm
2: -hmm. And can you talk a little bit about how the advertising industry has changed recently from your observation?
3: Certainly. So one way it has changed getting back to the newspapers and getting back to print advertising. And I spoke with about this in a class this morning is that um, back in the day, the day being, you know, five years ago, seven years ago, certainly 10 years ago, um, you had print advertising, you had television advertising, and you had radio. And now, as we all know, Um, Probably one of the most prolific forms of advertising is social media, um, paid-for media uh, on social platforms. Um, Certainly, TV advertising is never going to go away, as was just evidenced uh, in the onslaught of advertising purchased by candidates in the midterm election. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, certainly... Print is is not dead by any stretch. I mean, there are so many magazines out there. Absolutely. Um, And you know, but I I do think that uh, advertising agencies, uh, the successful ones are nimble. I mentioned that we have been around fifty years. Uh, We have the largest digital presence of anyone in our area because uh, I have a CEO who has a lot of foresight. And years ago, I mean, started hiring um, developers and back-end coders when a lot of people were uh, farming that out. And um, so I think that anyone who is not digital savvy um, definitely they're in a world of hurt and gonna miss the boat. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, somebody that, like you that's worked in on, on the creative side um, of, of advertising for so long, you've been able to see this evolution of brands as they went from, I guess, more conventional ways of displaying their brand to moving to digital. Yep. How have you seen sort of the brand tone and feel of different clients change as they have reacted to the move to a more digitally prominent uh, form of branding?
3: Well, I, I think that, um, and it's a good question, by the way. So one thing that most major brands are um, very cognizant of or certainly need to be cognizant of is this young lady right here, the Millennials. Um, <laughs> and I got in a conversation last night with my daughter and with uh, my por- former professor here, uh, Terry Eiler, we were talking about newspapers. I mean, that kid hasn't like picked up and looked and held a newspaper uh, probably ever. I mean, we always got it in our home, but you know, I'm thinking that advertising has changed and, and I think brands have evolved where, you know, they know that yes, you do have to have great packaging there's no question i just did a couple weeks ago uh, judged an international packaging awards contest and certainly there you had you know this amazing stuff um but it you know it all translates back i think to the medium of how it's being advertised
2: mm-hmm. absolutely Um, And I'm not personally in the advertising side, but uh, I know that from a student standpoint, a lot of us are preparing for careers. So I was actually in your gallery um, yesterday and looking at some of the pictures you've taken and especially the food pictures. Um, Another ambassador and I were talking about how difficult it is to capture food. Um, So can you talk a little bit about how students can best prepare themselves for the creative side of advertising and PR right now?
3: Again, I think it goes back to practice and it goes back to practical experience i think that if you want to get in the advertising business there are tons of um internships out there many of whom do not pay but to be able to be around uh, ours happens to it at price weber but you know to be around advertising professionals and to see how it's done. Uh, I understand that OU now has um, their own student-run ad agency and um, anything that you can get as far as experience goes. And I think the other thing is, is that uh, people of your age um, have definite opinions on what they think are great companies, what they think are companies that they want to represent, that they want to support financially. And, uh, but it all it all goes back to, as I said earlier, kind of practice, practice, and being able to put yourself in a position where you're going to do what you want to do or what you think you want to do on a daily basis. To get that kind of experience to kind of play
1: off of Abby's question so you know you've you've been in the field long enough you've interviewed you know probably hundreds if not a thousand people you know over the course of your career for positions right now if you were hiring um, somebody for an entry-level position what are the things that you would look for that would stand that candidate out I mean experience obviously is one of them you just mentioned that but you know, if you're, if you're one of Abby's colleagues that's still in school and they're preparing themselves, they know that they need to get experience through internships and other opportunities along the way. But what are the things that they should be pay, paying attention to and choosing courses and skills that they would develop to put on their resume?
3: I spoke about this yesterday in uh, the capstone class um, that Stan Laws teaches, and that is skill sets, multiple skill sets. If you are a photographer, you darn well better be a pretty good designer. Obviously, you need to know Photoshop. That is a given. But if you have on top of photography, on top of designing uh, web site construction skills, and to throw it out there even more, If you had all those things and if you knew something about back-end coding, you're going to be pretty valuable. On the other hand, if you want to be a writer and if you have good photo skills, and I'm not talking about doing selfies with your iPhone, (laughs) um, if you did have some design skills then you would be a pretty marketable person to say a nonprofit, a small hospital, a small startup company. So I think the days of being great or good at one thing and one thing only and getting a job doing that are pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. So Abby,
1: You know, as a student, when you're listening to him, clearly this last message of of having multidisciplinary skills, right, is is really important. So Mm -hmm. as a a journalism student, when you hear that, what are some things that goes through your mind about ways that you could, you know, broaden your skill set that would make you a bit more diverse while still having that specialization?
2: Absolutely. So I've always been very focused on writing and, and journalistic writing. But uh, this semester, I'm currently in an online journalism class. So I've learned um, kind of things like video production, uh, photography, interactive graphics. And right now we're doing coding, which is kind of scary to me. But I know it's definitely a really important skill. Totally. Absolutely. And another thing that I'm taking next semester, well, also, you know, this podcast is is helpful to me learning um, yeah. the software and equipment. And next semester I'll be taking like an in-depth podcast class as well. So, OU is great because within the journalism school we have so many different options to kind of dip your toes in different uh, areas.
3: Along those lines, and I spoke about this a little bit yesterday. Um, I remember when I started when I left the Geographic after ten years to start my own business, and I thought a few months in, well darn. I really wish I would have taken some business classes when I was at OU. Um, So I I do think that that is another thing, regardless of what you want to do, if it's possible to take a couple of basic business classes. So if you do want to freelance, if you do want to go out on your own, or just to sort of negotiate what you're going to encounter down the road when you are negotiating job salaries and stuff. I, I think things like that, like the the business end of things, are all too often overlooked because it's, quote, boring, unquote, mm-hmm. um, by young people. I know that certainly was the case for me, no question about it, but... Um, the other thing that I think in this environment, especially with uh, what I do and advertising and the, the people that I run into, is um, if you can learn uh, some type of a, a second language, I think mm-hmm. that is also a regret that I've had. Um, that, you know, my, uh, when I worked for the National Geographic, My Spanish was passable at best um, and it sort of stopped there but the more again it goes back to the skill sets and, and knowing business and knowing a second language go right hand in hand with what I'm talking about the photography or the you know coding and We talked yesterday a little bit at lunch. Um, You know, this whole podcast thing, I mean, it's not going away. And if you know how to run a board, which I'm watching you turn the knobs over there, Dean, and um, you obviously know what you're doing. So the more skill sets that when you interview, that when you go into a company that you have, and not to seem like a know-it-all, certainly, but um to just be able to exhibit what you can do yeah uh, know-it-all versus problem solver is an important distinction correct mm-hmm. yeah.
1: so abby um you know as you think about uh the field of journalism how do you see uh, you know it seems like i mean obviously in our college and in the school um there's a direct connection because they're majors that are right alongside one another but it seems that as a journalist and, and when i hear dan talking it kind of drives us home, that you have to think about how to market your own content, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's not just a matter that you write a story or you create a package and and put it up. You also have to think about how to get that in front of audiences. How do you see yourself trying to learn those skills? I mean, because that's not something that's a traditional hardcore big J journalism skill, right? It's something that would be on the other side of the school, but still part of the school. But it seems like that's really important now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, again, going back to what Dan said about um, the skills, being able to produce packages with you know video, photos, et cetera, that you can do yourself is really helpful um, because no one's going to know the story the way you know a story. Um, and in terms of advertising your own work, learning things like coding is useful because you can have your own personal portfolio. But another huge thing uh, is social media. So learning about analytics and what no kind of question. works. No question. Absolutely. What works, you know, on Twitter when you're tweeting out a story instead of just throwing up a link in like the headline that will come along with the link anyway, learning, you know, SEO things, um, all sorts of stuff like that. So, yes, you have to be very good at one thing, which in my case I consider to be writing, Mm -hmm. but you also kind of have to understand what's going on in other aspects because that's really what's going to help you. And that's what sets at least I think myself apart when I send a resume off to an internship or something like that.
3: And I will say, speaking of the strategy, I mean, we have three dedicated people at Price Weber, and that is all they do, is strategy and research, branding strategy and branding research. And our clients, uh, we have a lot of clients who are with us because of some of those folks and, and what we do. So... That's certainly another skill set. If you can learn some branding and strategy, I mean, more power to you.
1: It's interesting hearing Abby talk about that because she seems like a young version of you <laughs> in the <laughs> sense that she's figuring out much that I, younger version that of I, me well that I need to you know I need to be multidisciplinary when I leave and be ready to do that and and you did that before it was in vogue but but that, that is a big part of your success I want to go back to the thing that um, you know as Abby said to be really good at one thing and you know obviously when you left OU that was you behind a camera finding great shots and uh, we had a, you know, we had a show of your uh, photography up in our uh, visual communication uh, gallery um, where we just had great pictures, everything from coal miners. That was my favorite one, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I really love that one. Um, a picture of Muhammad Ali. Uh, so just a great portfolio of pictures that were in there. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite picture that you took?
3: You know, I get asked that a lot and um, certainly the most famous picture that I've shot, I guess, would be the Ali picture that you're talking about. I mean, he's in a restroom taping his hands. It was uh, by himself, and that was near the end of his career. He was in his very late 30s. Um, as far as a favorite picture, and I usually say this, it sounds trite, but yeah, my favorite picture is the one that I'm going to shoot tomorrow. Hm. Yeah.
2: Can, do you have a the story, maybe, behind the Ali picture?
3: I do. So um, I had come from OU uh, at a very young age and um, I was in Louisville working as a pregnancy replacement for the Courier Journal. Um, Muhammad Ali was going to be doing an exhibition fight. As I'd say, his career was pretty pretty well over um, by an unknown heavyweight, also from Louisville, a guy who went on to to be a champion several times a guy by the name of greg page for those out there who are into boxing and um i was a pretty brazen guy uh when i was in my teens uh most people would say i still am um and so i talked my way into the locker room where he was and he was sitting around and i with a bunch of his buddies and family members. And and I saw him get up and he had two rolls of tape in his hands. And he didn't say anything. And he walked to this tiny bathroom. The door was open. He opened the door and he shut the door. And I thought, Jesus, is it? I mean, you know, the guy's a multimillionaire. He has all these handlers. He's trainers entourage i mean he even had his own photographer uh howard bingham who went everywhere with him and so i thought there's no way in the world that guy is back there taping his own hands and my former one of my former professors from here chuck scott always said that you know one of the things that um I uh, was was extremely inquisitive and he also uh, said uh, that I didn't have a whole lot of fear. He used a different terminology uh, than that. But, um, mm-hmm. uh, so I thought, you know, what do I have to lose? Um, and I knocked on the door and um, I said, Champ, may I come in? And I thought, God, this is going to be really embarrassing if he's back there using the bathroom. But um, (laughs) fortunately, he wasn't. And um, he let me in. And then all of a sudden, like this, like rush of fear that I invaded something came over me. So this was back in the film days. I put my camera to my eye, clicked off um, four frames and said, thank you. And he nodded, and I walked out the door. And um, that photograph that has been seen all over the world, that is now in a new book that has just come out um, that a publishing company did with the Courier Journal. Uh, that photo was just featured on uh, a New York Times blog. I mean, it's it's by far my most famous photo, and and that's pretty much the backstory behind it. Um, Very involved in philanthropy uh, down in my uh, hometown Louisville. And I've probably donated that framed signed by me hand signed by me to hundreds of auctions and that photo has raised 10s of Mm 1000s of dollars Mm -hmm. for charities. That's great. Dan,
1: I want to thank you for being here and more importantly, congratulate you for being the 37th inductee
3: into the Communication Hall of Fame. I'm pretty stoked about it. I tell you, it's amazing.
0: Thank you for listening to the Scripps Insider. You can follow this podcast through popular podcasting apps such as Google Play and iTunes or by visiting the Scripps College website at ohio.edu/slash Scripps College. You can also connect with the college through social media on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Simply search for the Scripps College of Communication to like and follow our posts. Thank you for listening.